first of the TV season. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Walker, welcome. Glad to be here. And Dan Pierce, who hasn't been on the podcast in a bit. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. You know, just uh, trying to stay out of trouble. Dodging and swerving to avoid Miss Rona? Yes, exactly. Okay. Well, we are here today to talk about the best and worst of the 2019-2020 television season. So basically from when the, the television season kicked off in September to when it wrapped in early May. These can be on broadcast, streaming, or other platforms, depending on how, how you choose to watch your television. We've got a bunch of categories, so let's just dive in and Mel... Who do you have as the breakout character or star of the TV season? This is why I came ready, because I knew you was going to start with me. I just knew it. Okay, first. I knew it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anywho, I'm ready. My breakout star and character of the season is none other than the teeny tiny but so adorable baby Yoda. There was not a bigger character or star that took over pop culture than baby Yoda this year. That little cute thing was everywhere. Okay. People were clamoring for merchandise and Disney for once was not ready. They were like, uh, but it's not going to be ready yet. And people were like, we don't care. We'll wait. It's fine. I love, love, love little tiny, the child as its proper name is, but y'all know how it goes. Baby Yoda. I love baby Yoda. So adorable. Can I wait? for a season two of the Mandalorian. I very rarely buy merchandise for things. Like I'll get Funko pops for like an individual character or show or whatever, but I very rarely buy multiple pieces of merchandise for the same character. I have a baby Yoda shirt. I have a baby Yoda Funko pop, which was the first release of them. And then they decided that come August, they're going to be releasing the baby Yoda with a little cup of tea. And I'm like, I have to have that one. So when I get the baby Yoda with a little cup, then the other baby Yoda, I may just have to regift it or something. Uh, Mo, who do you have as the breakout star or character? Well, I got to go with Regina King, Plan the Queen, Sister Knight slash Angela Abar on HBO's Watchmen. From Jump, when Homegirl in that first episode pulls that shotgun that's out of a secret compartment in her bedroom, you know she is no joke. Once Angela gets into her sister night outfit, again, that character came to play. She kicked ass. She took no names. Everybody... Oklahoma respected her. She had her man Cal, who was ride or die. I, you know, I, I understand Baby Yoda 
was a great character, but for me, just it's just memorable. It's just so many of those episodes of Watchmen. I mean, from the episode which she experienced her grandfather's life, Hooded Justice, you it was just it just see, leaves such a memorable impression on you. And I and Watchmen came out seven. It ended seven months ago, and it still leaves such an impression on on me, especially given the current political climate. Dan. Uh, I am going with Mel's choice. Baby Yoda was just everywhere. He was everything. People wrote songs about him. Disney didn't have merchandise ready. Uh, like there were entire, like people are mad to this day at Adam Paley and Jason Sudeikis who were dressed up in as stormtroopers for punching baby Yoda and they're actors like, that is wild, and I can't think of a bigger cultural breakout star or character as the quote-unquote child. I have Baby Yoda in a different category, so my breakout character or star is Rachel Scarston as Alice on Batwoman. Alice was the reason to watch Batwoman. There's a lot of negatives about that series in terms of its first season, but Rachel was amazing. The problem was when I went and started like looking back at the other stuff that she was in, I discovered that she played, she was on Lost Girl and played Tamsin. And I was like, oh, I remember Tamsin. But so I was like, I'm not sure if this is quite breakout. But for me, her role as the villainous Alice on uh, Batwoman was the the single reason to watch that show. And she was fantastic in it. Mo. Every hero needs a sidekick. Who is the best sidekick of the TV season? So I've got to go with Poison Ivy from DC Universe's Harley Quinn series, which um, they they showed uh, seasons one and two in, in fairly quick, rapid succession. The animated series. Um, yes, the animated series. Correct. Um, Boy, an actor Harley can't Quinn... even get a break now to get a nomination. They're losing to animation. Look, that character had a fully formed arc, and you talk about a sidekick. Okay, Harley, uh, Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn—they were right to die for each other. I mean, uh, and I, honestly, the relationship as the show initially started, it very much kind of was Ivy. She won. Ivy, uh, Ivy was sort of relegated to a sidekick status, but as time progressed. As Harley's schemes became more convoluted and comp, a combination of complex and convoluted, um, she kind of outgrew the sidekick mold. And by the end of the second season, you know, you've kind that relationship has definitely evolved. Um, and I don't want to drop that because that's a spoiler in case uh, folks want to go and watch that series. But I definitely have to choose po uh, Poison Ivy because, well, for one thing, Luke, we don't always um, get, give um, shout-outs to um, animated features on, on this podcast. I want to I wanna do justice by that because I think it was a really great uh, performance on that show. And like I said, it, it's... Um, unfortunately, I think uh, Harley Quinn would have blown up a little bit more, but yeah, you know, the birds of the Birds of Prey movie kind of didn't work out, plus the pandemic. Let the record show that last year I specifically added a category for animation, and when I did, 
very few people picked categories for it. So it has not been for uh, uh, attempted coverage of animation. Dan, who did you have as every hero needs a sidekick, the best sidekick of the TV season? Luke, you have probably three ties with this category. I so. don't. I only have one, and it is the preeminent. <laughs> it is the preeminent sidekick of the TV season. So we shall see whether or not you got it right, Dan. I don't think I got it right. I'm going with someone who earned their place as a sidekick for the main hero of the show, who was in the dark. Uh, uh, regarding the hero's identity for part of the show while still helping the hero. Then, like, the hero wanted her in the dark, and then suddenly she figures it all out but isn't allowed to help. I'm talking about Mary Hamilton on Batwoman. I really enjoyed Mary a lot and found her as a secondary reason to keep watching, aside from Alice, who was also awesome. Uh, and Luke already talked about, uh, Mary really had it all together. She was a social media influencer. She was able to play that angle when necessary in Gotham, but also ran a free clinic in the underground for all of these people that didn't, couldn't pay for healthcare. I mean, she was so far ahead of her time and just helping people and constantly Kate is just like, kicking her and shoving her aside being like but my sister i'm like you have a sister you are literally telling your the woman that you grew up with that she is less than your like full-blown sister like with the way you're phrasing everything it's poor phrasing come on figure it out kate she never figured it out until toward the end and even then it's it will they didn't have enough scenes doing a lot of emotional stuff. And to be honest, Batwoman really couldn't pull off a lot of emotional stuff uh, with Kate, just throwing that out there, a little shade, but hopefully everything's going to be fixed. Um, I, yeah. So I pick Mary. Mel, Dan failed with the preeminent, sidekick of the season so maybe you will get that character who do you have of course i I did it's gonna be right because it's my pick but not the point so i actually did something a little bit off the wall for this one uh this is a show we haven't talked about i don't think on the podcast at all and it actually got canceled which makes me sad because it was actually pretty decent um if anyone out there in podcast land watched uh abc's emergence uh that's where my pick comes from and it is basically Officer Chris Bonetto. He is the sidekick to our uh, main chief. Excuse me. Our main chief on the show. Um, if anybody doesn't know what it's about, long story short, there's a little girl who is found on a beach who has these extraordinary powers that nobody really knows about. She ended up ends up connecting with the police captain. The police captain takes her in, brings her around her family, and all these strange things start happening floating things you know stopping time all kinds of stuff it was actually pretty interesting and i wish abc would have given it a chance but the officer who would help her all of the time always had her back would show up in any kind of precarious situation would do anything for her so i just wanted to give that show a little bit of love 
I I appreciate that you gave that uh, gave emergence it's some love, but that was not who I picked. How can the best sidekick of the TV season not be the person who literally heralded the arrival of his hero in every episode? Toss a coin to your Witcher. How can it not be but Jeskier? How could it not? The entire season, he's on he's on his mandolin or whatever the instrument was, like literally heralding the arrival of Geralt and the Witcher. It was wonderful. He is my sidekick of the TV season. Uh, Dan, biggest frack up. Who fracked up most? Okay, I'm about to go off on Riverdale because, you know, everyone else has. The amount of focus that the corpse of Jason Blossom got this season (laughs) is insane. (laughs) It is stupid. He got more airtime than Vanessa Morgan's Tony Topaz. That is offensive. That like the um, the uh, the amount of story that was driven regarding the Blossom family and just this corpse that sh- sat creepily in the corner of a room is indicative of bigger problems within your writers' room, within your storytelling dynamics. It is it is it is it's bad. It's really bad, and I I think it makes it worse that you could have had deeper connections within like the character dynamics. You have this wonderful couple in Cheryl and Tony, you have uh, a Nana Rose there. You have uh, Cheryl's mom kind of lurking in the shadows doing stuff. There are a ton of different things you can do. You could incorporate them into the actual storylines. That's an idea. What? But no, instead you island them and the entire thing becomes about this dead corpse in the corner. That's what it, that's what it becomes about. Really? That really? Oh, so, that, like okay. the dead corpse. But like what they did to Cheryl Blossom this last season just made me mad. I, I'm still mad. I'm still I'm still mad about that. I'm still mad about Tony because no, Tony had such a good introduction with Jughead and with the serpents and with her heritage and her grandfather and all of this sort of stuff. And I was hoping they could build off that and like, all right, let's go, let's do this. And then they gave her the, the poisons and I'm like, all right, I kind of liked you better with the serpents, but all right, you know, let's see how you develop this. Let's, let's keep it going. And then they just completely dropped the ball. I was so upset. This, oh, Mo. So uh, my biggest frack up, you can only in the true definition of a frack up. If we're thinking the biggest frack up on the scale of of Barry Allen, but magnified, you cannot go with anybody other than Marnavu the Monitor, because if Marnavu had not been fiddling around at at the beginning of time, it would not have caused the anti Monitor to show up. And we would not have gotten the crisis. So for that, you know, he takes he takes over for, in my opinion, from the reigning champ Barry Allen. We ha- he has to pass along that baton to Marnavu, the monitor. See, I, I, normally I'd be going to Mel here because she's next in order, but mine is also from Crisis on Infinite Earth. So <laughs> I I was like, but and it's not Barry, but it's Barry adjacent. I was going with Nash Wells as Pariah. 
<laughs> because I'm like, when you when you're such a bad character and such a fuck up that they literally rename you Pariah, <laughs> you might have a problem. Mel, who did you have? Well, mine is Lynn from Black Lightning. And this is surely Ooh, a good one. for that is a really good one. When she <laughs> dropped that green light in the toilet and was like, oh no, we can't have this looking like a scene from Goodfellas digging in the toilet for that green light. I was like, oh baby, oh no, honey, what's what's going on? What's happening? The addiction was real, people. And that's when I realized. Okay, we, we're kind of at the point of no return for you. We're going to have to knock you out and start all over at some point because, whoo! Oh, Ooh, is she was cracked. Because she was cracked yeah. out for a good portion I mean, of the season. cracked out bad. Okay, this brings us to the most angsty or annoying character, which maybe should be just retitled the Jughead category because that's who I've picked many seasons or many years. But, Dan, who do you have for this category? I'm going to be frank here for a second. Alex Danvers got way too many self-discovery episodes this year on Supergirl and just annoyed the heck out of me as a result. And it wasn't even her fault. Like, it was just... Joe hate mail to Dan. It was... I'm sorry. It was just... It was... There was just too many. It was... Like, okay, her dad stuff, and then the stuff with um, her relationship, and then uh, becoming a hero, and all of, you know, oh, I don't have the DEO anymore. There were just too many of these steps of, like, Alex having this crisis, and every single time I'm like, oh, I've seen this episode before, didn't I? No? This is new? Really? All right. It just, it, it got old. She kind of was angsty way too much this year. And I, I mean, we, we've talked about it on the show that Supergirl wasn't super strong this year. Like this was not a great year as, as like a season for Supergirl. No, it was not. But my pick that comes from a different CW Arrowverse show. Let's see, where are we at? Mel, who do you have? Well, let's just keep it on the CW Arrowverse topic because my comes from Black Lightning and it is painkiller. Khalil, look, y'all, <laughs> when you are at the point in your character where you are literally fighting yourself in your head because you have trapped your ego, your other evil alter ego in the door, it's time to end it, okay? Give me a painkiller and put me out of my misery, okay? I'm done. I'm over it. This is enough. No more Black Lightning. No more. Mo? You had to trap Nikki Smith in the mirror. What can I say? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Jess, <laughs> Nikki. Mo, who do you Jessica? have? Jessica? Lord, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so my, my most annoying character, and I'm going for annoying, not angsty. Because I want to toss a shoe at the screen every time he starts he starts chirping. It's Gary Green from Legends of Tomorrow. I am just fooled with <laughs> him. Yes. Yes. I mean, like, he should have been gone two seasons ago. That When that character gets all that, the, he is just such an imbecile at, at this point. I mean, forgot the 
the episode in which he adopted the dog that turned out to be a demon. Um, his his constant whining about how he wants respect. He needs to earn respect. Can can he and I Ava mean, just he, do like like a suicide pack and kill each other? Well, see, I can I I can work with Ava. I can work. I, I did She's just need become to find the new Ava. Gary. For me, this year Gary took a this season. Gary took a little bit of a backseat, and Ava became what Gary was last year. I For agree me, with Luke. That, like that. Like at this point, both like one had one season, the other one had the other season, but they are equally as bad. So I am not disputing any of your guys's picks, though, Mel. We need to keep the eye candy on Black Lightning, so I'm a little bit hurt at that. Um, uh, Chris Williams is there. He's there all the time. He ain't going nowhere. Well, true, but we need to keep more eye candy on Black Lightning. Um, the reason why neither Ava nor Gary is my number one most angsty slat or annoying or both character is because mine was the actual lead of an Arrowverse show, and that's Kate Kane, yep. a.k.a. Batwoman. They gonna come for you, Luke. That, <laughs> listen, that show succeeded despite Batwoman. The supporting cast is what saved Batwoman. I watched Ruby Rose on Orange is the New Black. She was good there. I thought that she was good when she was first introduced in the crossover two years ago. Great. She is not capable of carrying a show on her own, at least as depicted as Kate Kane. It was not good. Okay, Mel, kick that ass. Best fight scene. Uh, my comes from the Mandalorian is actually from the last episode. The battle between the stormtroopers and our heroes, most specifically the protocol droid who ends up sacrificing himself at the end. This is a fight where you didn't know what was going to happen. It, it could have gone anyway because this is the first season, so you never know. You know, Baby Yoda's in trouble. Mando is hurt. We don't know what we were going to do. The stormtroopers are out there. They are armed, dangerous, and ready to kill. And the fact that we saw this droid earlier in the season trying to kill Baby Yoda, it was reprogrammed, and now it takes the ultimate sacrifice. I just thought that was the one fight that really stuck in my head. Just that whole battle from when they were trying to, you know, get away and get back into space. So I, that's my pick. Mo, uh, you know I'm gonna go with episode four, uh, or rather part four of Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. I have to say that um, just seeing all those heroes come together for that climactic battle against the Anti Monitor, in which Oliver, uh, as the Spectre, more or less is sacrificed in order to. Um, restart the multiverse um just as a comics fan just seeing all those different characters come together and battle which 
you know, in in DC mythology or DC comic book mythology, you know, you you don't get any bigger than the anti monitor. It's he's one of the worst of the worst villains up there, easily with Darkseid and so forth. But just to see this on screen, to see this this battle, to see the multiple Superman, um, it, it was a dream come true for me as as a comic book fan, and um, I've I've got to give props to it. Damn. Uh, so I'm going to go with a fight on a show that hasn't been brought up yet, but is going to be brought up a couple times from me. Uh, it's from Westworld, the second to last episode, uh, Maven Dolores are fighting outside of a facility in Mexico and Maeve and Dolores just, they, I mean, there's guns, there's katanas, there's uh, physical fighting. They're, they probably have a dozen bullets in each other apiece. They're losing limbs. It, like, Maeve is about to kill Dolores, and Dolores launches an EMP that disables both of their bodies, and they're just lying there. It's incredibly shot it is one like this season of westworld was fantastic shouts to daddy newton and evan rachel wood because they really put on a fantastic fight so for me this it would not be a podcast without me having a tie so this is the one category we where go. i have a tie and they're both from The Mandalorian. Mel actually covered one of them already. The other one was Baby Yoda versus the Mudhorn because that little guy had so much strength with the Force. And then he passed out. It was the cutest, most adorable, kick that ass of the year. Uh, what just happened, Dan? So I'm going back to Westworld for a hot second. Um, in, in, you know, toward the beginning of the season and the end of last season, you realize that a copy like that Dolores took a bunch of personalities out of, um, hosts, but you don't know who they are. They could be any of the characters at all. And you're just, you, you don't know. And then around episode three or four of this season, it's revealed that actually Dolores made like three different copies of herself and put them in and created cop like body copies of existing people and also a host. So there are existing people that now have host versions of themselves that are actually just Dolores. And if that's not an um what just happened, then I don't know what is. Mo? Um, can I say that entire season of Batwoman? I mean, like... <laughs> I... <laughs> Shut fire! Uh, Wait, wasn't it you that I, I was see... warning me about people coming for me? Um... Well, you know, I mean, Luke, you're a bigger uh, social media celebrity than I am. So, oh, uh, I mean, <laughs> but but uh, so um, what happened? Okay, and and the reason why I chose Batwoman is is that part again, it just seems like every time the show started to get some momentum, 
it took two steps forward, one step back. Okay. Um, I feel like, again, the Beth, um, situation when they brought Beth on post crisis, that for me was this interesting path they could have, they could have chosen and potentially maybe could have been a given what has happened with Ruby Rose, maybe if they kept Beth, the alternate universe Beth around, that could have been um, a way to resolve that issue. But I was just like, the show was humming along. It was kind of trying to build momentum. Then we get to that, hit that point, right? Post-crisis where we really, tr I truly don't even understand like the mechanics of how the, how this other Beth showed up. Um, but there was we some keep moving limey along. stuff in all of the shows. True, true. But the mechanics of the other shows lent that to that specific show. Everything that we've been given about Batwoman in terms of the mythology, in terms of the show, it was not. But we weren't. We weren't as a as a viewer. We were. I feel like we were just kind of thrown in the deep end with that. Okay. Okay. Um. With Supergirl, you can easily make the case for why we why did we have the multiple Brainiacs? Because I mean that was explained. Um, the Flash again, very similar. Okay, Black Lightning honestly really didn't even go there with the timey wimey stuff, uh, other than the uh, the uh, crisis adjacent episode, which is perfectly fine. And we uh, got but I feel like Jill Scott back. Well, yes, but but again. The way, but that was, you want to know why that worked for me is because I don't theoretically, care. that is one of those things where I would give a flying flip how it happened as long as Jill Scott was back. But, but yeah, but it made sense no, in it the did. mythology. It did. I totally, of the I show. totally get it. But I'm just saying, there, there, yeah, there could, but, like, they could give me any excuse to have Jill Scott back on Black Lightning and I would just accept it. <laughs> yeah. And then. We fast forward to the end of the season of Batwoman, uh, where you know you've set up Hush. They've built, I'm, and I'm perfectly fine. They've built this character up. He's now the fully formed version of Hush that that you were used to in the car in the comic books and so forth, and the Batman and uh, Hush animated movie. Great. Then we get this thing about Kryptonite and the Batwoman in the Batwoman suit, and it's like. Where the hell did this come from? Hasn't been threaded. We hadn't even really talked about Car much. I mean, it was just these little hints. I just really feel like if we got any additional episodes with Supergirl have popped up, then of course they dropped the whole Hush now has the face of Bruce Wayne, which is a great cliffhanger. But now that Ruby Rose is gone, and the show has to course correct and reset itself. Who knows what the hell is going to happen there? Now that is why I give Bat Batwoman the "Huh, what just happened?" Mel, what just happened? Um, mine comes from HBO's Watchmen. It is Adrian Veltz, as played by Jeremy Irons, on Watchmen. Um, so when you first come across this character, you see he's very rich, you see he has all these servants who kind of look alike, but you're like, okay, I can go with it. I'm, I'm cool. 
And then he kills one. And then he goes out to the lake and he pulls out babies. And this is the point when I said, what? What is happening? So me thinking I missed something because I was on my phone, you know, talking to somebody else, whatever. Nope. Reround it. It was the same thing. It was exactly what I saw. And then I kind of had to piece it together of, oh, he creates these clones and that's what happens. But still, every time, it was a very, what is going on? What is happening for me? So, yes. My, um what just happened is one that I actually thought Mo might have. And it's not a single scene. It's an entire episode from Doctor Who titled The Fugitive of the Jadoon. Because (laughs) not only did we get John Barrowman as Captain Jack, who had been MIA for 10 years, back as Captain Jack for an all-too-short yet pivotal scene, we discovered that the Doctor, who up until Jodie Whittaker had been portrayed by white men, and she was the first woman, had actually had a previous incarnation as a black woman. And it was an epic episode. It was, like, seriously, one of the best episodes of the television season. And the way they kept it a secret for both of those things a secret, the way that the the episode pulled like was written, it packed punch after punch, and when you were done, you were like, "What the frack just happened?" I I can't think of an, a single episode of TV that has done that quite that well in a couple seasons. So for me, it is the Fugitive of the Jadoon. My DVR is full and I can't catch up. Which current show are you behind on, Mo? <laughs> Altered Carbon. Ooh, good one. Um, and, and that last season of Runaways. See, now I feel bad because I was being very literal on this one. <laughs> My DVR is empty. <laughs> So I put empty because it's the first time I can actually say my DVR is empty. But when you start talking about streaming platforms, I need the last season of Runaways and I need the and I need the most recent season of Altered Carbon. Mel, what did you have? Riverdale. I think at this point I'm like two seasons behind. <laughs> if it's but I'm gonna catch up. If it's in consolation, do it. you might just wanna skip it. Oh, so just don't even bother because you ain't got to tell me but one good time. So, Dan, I for me it's Sabrina. I'm I'm really behind on Sabrina, and I know it's a it's a rough subject right now because of the recent announcement that the final eight episodes are going to be late in 2020, and they're not doing any more after that, uh, which is very very sad. Um, and also feels like the Riverdale universe is like closing in out of itself with the cancellation of Katie Keene as well. Um, I loved Katie so, Keene. I like, I adored that show. I was so sad. I didn't catch it, but I am sad that like the, the spinoffs aren't like lasting as long as I would like them to kind of do a lot of the, you know, arrow flash, Arrowverse kind of thing. I was sort of hoping that 
like I'm sort of crossing my fingers that Sabrina might end up on the CW or end up on HBO Max, but we'll see. That's cold. Captain Cold, the cutthroat character of the season. Dan. There was a moment in Super like as much as I've complained about Supergirl this episode. Lex Luthor convinced Eve Tessmacher to kill Jeremiah Danvers because she he made her think that like he killed her father and that wasn't the case. And then the horrified look on Eve Tessmacher's face as Supergirl's like, you still can do good. You still can do like help other people and stuff like that. And we don't get like the ultimate climax of any of that because spoiler alert, they just ran out of episodes. Okay. So in reality, coronavirus no i'm just kidding (laughs) that's cold captain cold the cutthroat character of the season mo um i'm gonna go with uh marissa coulter as portrayed by ruth wilson uh, from his dark materials uh which was shown on hbo in uh the u.s and on uh, bbc one in the uk um it's adapted from a novel series you probably remember the golden compass I think uh, Ruth Wilson's uh, version is of the of the character is much much colder. I mean, than what we got in the film. Uh, for God's sake, we had a scene in which she is literally torturing her own daughter. Right. Um, and if you if you're familiar with the world of his dark materials, you know everyone's soul takes the manifestation of what they call like a demon and it's more like you and it's sort of some sort of like an animal spirit it's probably like the easiest way to describe it and you know hers is the form of this like sort of spider monkey and it's a very and it in uh Coulter's exterior is very cold she is a traditional ice queen but you know, all of that rage she has burning inside of her, the fact that she is being put down by these men who are in power, the fact that the, her baby daddy, you know, has all these acolytes rained upon him and has thought of this great man. And here she is making all these these breakthroughs and willing to take risks and so forth. And, you know, when her spider, mo- when her, her daemon just goes off and just starts either killing other daemons or just like choking someone or something it, it's just you can just see that rage just coming through from her and probably one of the most coldest scenes is like literally where she is like sacrificing children left and right, right. Uh, to power this machine um, but she does have this one bit of empathy you know of course when her own daughter is being put in this machine of course she she her 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 parental maternal her maternal instincts things come come out and you know but otherwise she is just a an ice queen okay mel that's cold captain cold the cutthroat character of the season lady true on watchmen she had the ability to play with time emotions with anything she could to play with your mind she created this pill that would literally let you live someone's life, live someone's memories for a period of time. And she also wanted to take over the world. Like, 
to me, if a villain is not only, you know, messing with you and your surroundings and everything, but messing with your mind, oh, they got you. They got you dead to rights. So, and she was always really calm. And I thought that was interesting too. So good acting choice. But yeah, Lady True. Coming in for me as That's Cold, Captain Cold, the cutthroat character of the season, is a character that I don't know if you'd actually consider them a villain. And what's interesting about this category for me is that it doesn't necessarily have to be a villain. It just has to be a character. Like when I first thought up about this character, it was inspired by Clark on The 100, who is the heroine of The 100. But she will make cutthroat decisions that will literally make you go, wow, I can't believe a heroine just did that. So that's the spirit in which I picked Yennefer on which the Witcher on Netflix. I think that Yennefer had the best arc of any of the characters on that series. And what you saw that she was willing to do to herself and then to do to others to try and further her journey was quite cutthroat. So for me, Yennefer is the coldest, the cutthroat character of the season. We'd encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. You can find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at, at Melody Akles. Mo is at Dr. Mo 77 And Dan is at Real Dan Pierce. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.